You guys, welcome back to another brand new episode of Badum Tess. It is a podcast. It is humorous. As always, I am joined by Trina. Trina, I've been thinking about you a lot this weekend because... Oh my god, what? Stop, Uh, I'm shy. It's (laughs) Trina's birthday on Sunday. Um, Oh my god, guys. Whenever this is coming out, it's probably already (laughs) happened. However, we should take a moment to just acknowledge that Trina is bae and fam and (laughs) everything else. Just couldn't be happier to have you as a podcasting accomplice. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. That was the best happy birthday I've ever received. Thank you. Because it was was just kind of, it was like cool. Right. And it's public. So I feel like I win. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. Everyone knows that I was born. Right. Right. So uh, Trina's got an I in the name. And yes. you know what else has an I in the name? Denim, which is our Whoa. subject of the day. Mm-hmm. I'm talking jeans. I'm talking a very durable fabric invented by, I believe, Levi Strauss. Okay. Is that the theme for today's episode? Denim, yeah. Okay, why? I'm just like, why, though? Um, okay, I don't know what you're wearing right now. But I Pajamas. have. And are they made out of denim? <laughs> no, they're made out of cotton because you can't sleep in denim. That's crazy. Mm. You can, though, is the thing. And I've done it many times. And I'm here to tell you that denim is the most comfortable, durable, reasonable fabric that's ever been invented. You sound like you're selling it to me. I feel like I'm selling it to you because I've been thinking about this a lot. I woke up a couple mornings ago and was like, why denim? Why denim? Um, If you spell denim backwards, you get, hang on, D-E-N-I-M, M-I-N-E-D, mind. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Cannot possibly be a coincidence. Okay, let me take you back. The year is, I believe, I want to say it's either the late 1800s or the early 1900s. A young man named Levi Strauss has just gotten out of bed and is going to his work in the coal mines. He is a child. Child labor laws have not yet been made. And he's skipping off to work in the coal mines with his friends when all of a sudden... His pants rip, and he is so embarrassed and starts thinking to himself, God, I wish I wasn't wearing silk right now to the (laughs) coal mines. Wish I wasn't in my lacy best. And so he (laughs) sits down. Actually, he probably hires um, other child workers. As he himself is one. Right. So he's like, let me rally my posse. Yes, He says, okay, hey, hey, chip, skip, dip. (laughs) Come on, on, you guys, we're going to make durable pants. Right. And wouldn't you know it, they do. They make jeans. You know what jeans are made of? Denim. Or are jeans denim? They are all one and the same. 
Well, it's crazy because now when we think of denim, I feel like we're not thinking about Levi Strauss and his toils. We're thinking about like high school, for example. That Britney Spears is true. There are more modern applications of denim I could have made. I just felt it important to give the audience, um, you know, some history because I am. You were rooting us in context, and you were doing your due diligence. It was kind of anthropological in a way. And I'm nothing if not anthropological. Right. But you're right. High school, I don't know what I would have worn if not jeans. Um, Could have worn yoga pants. You know, I got to be honest, when I was in high school, I was I was um, anti-yoga pants, which... Okay, kind of alt of you. No, it's, it's bad because, I don't know, I was one of those people who was like, yoga pants are not pants. Yeah, they are. And also, I was just, like, self-conscious because I didn't want to wear them. But we're not diving into that. Okay. Um, I'm just saying all pants, valid pants. And in high school, (laughs) I only wore jeans. Same. I was a jeans girl, lol. I'm thinking a lot about euphoria, actually. Oh, very topical. I'm thinking about the kind of low-rise pants we've been seeing recently in fashion, particularly in Euphoria. And my question for you, Tessa, is what kind of, first of all, jeans were you wearing in high school? And second of all, loose, loose, loose tie to Euphoria. What kind of character do you think you'd be in Euphoria High? This has been all the rage lately because Euphoria, for our listeners... Season two is out. It's happening right now. We're three episodes in. Oh, we're deep. We are in Twitter is going insane. And so this feels important. And it might not to you, but it is to us. No, it's it's important. Right. And I have so much I could say. You know what? I'll start with the first question. I was wearing pretty much exclusively skinny jeans, high rise, um, because I love the bottom of the tummy covering pants. Uh, I think that's built for self-conscious high schoolers. Mm -hmm. Love. Same. And hate bell bottoms. Really can't deal with it. I respect them when I see them in like Mamma Mia. Sure. But I think that's it. I think that's the extent to which I respect them. Okay. And maybe, you know, a few years from now, I'll think of these in the way that I thought of yoga pants. You'll get over it is what you're saying. Yeah. But right now I can't. Time is ticking, Tessa. That's true. Of course, with Euphoria, there's a revival of the low gene. And I I don't know. That takes a lot of, like, care. I'd have to, like, take care of things to wear low-rise g- jeans. Um, right, right. And, and I don't know. I don't, I'm not into putting in that much effort. No, I'm reading between the lines. I do know what you mean. Thank it's you. It's kind of like you have to be really emotionally prepared for something like that. Yeah. And personally, I don't think if I were to attend Euphoria High, I would be like so in the forefront. Um, I was in orchestra as a child, so I wasn't like doing hard drugs and getting invited out. I I do do think that I would be a background character, if anything. I would be like Lexi, I think. She's an important character, though, and very grounding. Like, I don't know. I don't know what I do. But she's like... She's like the audience. I think of her as like the audience. You know what I mean? Like she's like what the whole audience is thinking. Me personally, um, uh, I definitely, I would have died of an overdose in the bathroom, I'm sure, if I was in okay. euphoria. Maybe not died, but 
I would have been friends with those girls and not wanted to, but just kind of been dragged in. And Trina, if you know anything (laughs) about me, it's that I say (laughs) yes a lot. Right. Occasionally to my downfall. Do you think that you and I would have been buddies at Euphoria High or do you think I would have been a cramp to your style? (sighs) You can say yes. No, listen. Because as I said, I have been thinking about Trina often because thank you birthday. And if I'm still myself in the Euphoria universe, first of all, I wasn't friends with many people in high school. I was, but I didn't interact with many. You know, we can't get into high school like this. (laughs) I think, yes, I think in any iteration of life that I would have interacted with you, we would have been friends. That's sweet. I can't imagine. You're like easy to like, you know? Okay. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. But I think that all of the scenes, well, I don't want to give any spoilies to the audience, but all of the scenes in which our beloved protagonists of Euphoria are engaging in risky behavior, if I would have seen that, I would have like actually reported it to the superintendent. And I know that about myself. Well, actually, I don't think I would have reported it, but I would have had like a a moment where I would have faltered and been like, maybe I should tell someone. And then I would have not. And I would have like gone back to my rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get back where to I band. Was, yeah. Or like the musical where I was cast as the ocean. That's right. Like kind of what I had to go back Which to. Which is so iconic and requires its own story <laughs> time, probably in an like a whole other podcast centered just on musicals. Right. In our mermaid episode. Uh, so many great things coming up for Bidum Tess. Yeah, there were, because I remember a class I was in and I went to a public art school. Nice. So we got all sorts of people. And I remember being in um, my art history class and turning around and there was a kid just like doing a line of Adderall off his desk. And okay, wow, yeah, it was really, really cool, you know. (laughs) Okay, yeah, totally. I will say it's nice because I was a writer in high school, so it's good to have things to write about, and that definitely was one of them. Um, wow, I like how kind of self defined you are or were (laughs) from the ages of 14 to 17. You were a writer, well, I was in high school, (laughs) I was, I, I, I was a writer, like, I. I'm a writer. I can't escape it. And uh, just like I was, a, it, we can't. Oh, this is a separate conversation. But <laughs> anyway, high school trends, genes. I'm so excited to dive into this here podcast about denim. And guess who we've got to talk to us? Who? We have someone from the International Gay Rodeo Association coming to talk to us. I think uh, cowboys tend to wear wear denim they do and then we've got someone who knows about trends period just keeps up with the kardashians so to speak and we are going to talk to her after we throw it to this quick break seven in ten girls believe that they are in some way not good enough for more information on this startling statistic please visit patriarchy.biz but here at gold comedy We're using comedy to help girls run the world. How? By helping teen girls and women and non-binary folks boost their confidence, smash perfectionism, write sharper, think faster, and command any stage. 
I'm Gold's founder, Lynn Harris, and I approve this message. And the message that soup is always good after a bad day. But that's not what this ad is for. Soup doesn't need ads. Join Gold Comedy at club.goldcomedy.com. I am so thrilled, excited, a little nervous to bring on our next, our first guest, who is um, our director, our producer, a writer. The reason why I'm under a blanket in my closet right now. (laughs) (laughs) Maggie Scudder. I've never been more touched by an introduction than that. I'm so honored to be a trendsetter on this episode because I have to tell you guys, there are few people who dress worse in my life <laughs> no. than I do. I don't Come think on. that that's true at all. I feel like you have a very distinct style. I mean, we've never met in person, actually. (laughs) That style is t-shirt and jeans. Mm. Yeah, which is giving gay and kind of cool and queer, you know? It's giving, it's giving denim. Right, simple. Oh my God, what a good pivot, yes. Here's my history with denim. Never wore jeans until middle school. Uh, Because, mostly because I was like a big tomboy. Right. And I really mean like, like a capital T, capital B, Tom boy. Right. I wore uh, the same hat every single day. Backwards? I wore the same backwards. Uh, I wore the same baggy gap husky boys cargo (laughs) shorts. What a brutal word. They had size adjustments on the inside, you know? Right. All gap kids' pants had these. Uh, And then... In middle school, I finally bought my first pair of Old Navy girls jeans. Yes. yes they flared. Mm. Yes, they were light wash. Yeah. And I mean. That's kind of like 2000, 2002 core. Yeah, but this is like 2007. 2007 core. And I would wear them with my, you know, Delia's graphic tees. Oh, I love a good Delia's moment. I do. Delia's was my store. Before that, limited to spelled T-O-O, limited to. Two? Wait, what did they turn into? I think. What did Delia's no, turn into? No, no, no. Uh, limited to, like, used to be Justice. Justice. Oh, the Limited. Yes. Oh. Okay. Or maybe but Justice But the Limited is like else. another store. Oh. Right. No, Justice. you're right. I never went. These stores were way too girly for me to even step foot in. Yeah. I really want to emphasize that I was like a real douche <laughs> right you were a guy's girl <laughs> you were chill with the boys I, in my free time i would slick back my hair oh with my hair gel that's very queer. and take photos of me with like my tongue out right wow going, <laughs> wow very cool very cool Trina, what was your first, uh, do you remember when you first had, you know, self-authority over the jeans that you put on? Um, (laughs) Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, I was always, like, kind of in a terrible place with clothing and pants. Like, just consistently was always wearing stuff that was, like, because I was, like, really trying hard as a kid to be a girl, I think. And I, like, 
really wanted, I was like, no, I'm going to make this happen. Like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be a girl and I'm going to wear the right clothes. And so I was always wearing like the really, like in the beginning and like, you know, age seven, et cetera, low rise, flare out, light wash jeans. And then when I got to high school, I started wearing skinny jeans. And then like the mom jean craze kind of took hold 2015, 2014. So I started wearing those. Um, and every time they just like never quite worked until I got the mom jeans because those like kind of let me kind of cover my whole body. And so <laughs> I think I just always was like, these pants are not working for me. And I don't know if I ever really realized that you could just like wear whatever worked for you and that you didn't have to just like yeah. wear what was like cool at the time. And I wasn't like a cool kid. So it's like the kinds of pants I was wearing never like offset the fact that I was like really a narc. So <laughs> just like <laughs> I just like was always kind of trying like I was wearing like Aeropostel like Aeropostel arrow. And then like the most form fitting pair of jeans and then my hair like like kind of slicked back with the headband. And then my it's twee man. Twee got us all. Yeah. And that is something we just have to admit to on the pod, I think. Right. And my very. I wore so many polka dot shirts. Me too. I was a major cardigans. Yes. Major cardigan vibes. I spent so much time looking at Peter Pan collars. Oh my God. I'm dead. And I know exactly the Google search that you're talking about also. Yeah. Because all the store that I knew was Mod Cloth. Ah. Mod Cloth. Yes. And then there Mm -hmm. was, there was a Torrid that opened up in my mall and I was like, okay, I'm going to wear some florals now. I'm going to wear some florals. I'm going to be, be a real goily goyle <laughs> sorry i don't know why i said it like that uh, we can move on <laughs> i now wear pretty exclusively skinny jeans nice still nice um but they are no longer neon yellow <laughs> or red right or like black and white checks i remember oh, that that time are, in our lives. that's a, yeah I was there too, Maggie. I was. Ugh. Do you have an emo phase? Yeah, but I never leaned all the way in. Me neither. Because the thing about me and fashion trends is that I, I never get all the way there. <laughs> I like buy one item. I like dip a toe in and I say, this is what people wear, I guess. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I refuse to be seen in such a way as buying clothes that will only be in right for a time i think also the emo trend is very like kind of like wafy which is part of the reason i was never able right and i'm yeah i'm like i'm like a solid guy you know what i mean i'm solid (laughs) so trying to be wafy was not so the vibe yeah did i have a paramore t-shirt yes did i have neon yellow skinny jeans yes did i wear them together yes yeah yeah but I also had a terrible haircut. So Can you describe it? And it wasn't like an emo kid haircut. It was a haircut where I took a picture of Meg Ryan <laughs> on a red carpet to the hairdresser. Oh, my God. And said, see this 45-year-old woman? I want to look like her as a 12-year-old. Oh, man. And how- <laughs> So it was short and spiky. And it turns out that when you're a 12-year-old... 
in Gap Kids shorts. You don't look like Meg Ryan on the red carpet mm. with your hair spiky and styled. You just sort of look like a weird boy. <laughs> yeah, I definitely <laughs> took a picture of Kristen Stewart to the haircutters once. Um, it was when she had highlights and I thought they were going to give me highlights, but they didn't. And so without the highlights, it was really just um, a just a boring brunette haircut. You know, you love them. <laughs> just just hair. But Maggie, um, I yeah. Well, what I just wonder, because you're from Texas, Nespa. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of. Not the Nespa. <laughs> Sorry. Not my, the Nespa. Sorry, my French is coming out. Um, I'm a college graduate. Um, I, what do you mean? Not really. I thought that was the reason that we have you. Okay. Ouch. (laughs) Sorry. Um, as Lyle Lovett says, I'm not from Texas, but Texas wants me anyway. Mm. I don't know that that's Lyle Lovett, but I think it is. I, um, was born in Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay. Very different place. (laughs) And I moved to Texas when I was three. Okay. And we lived there until I was 15. 16 so So, it's still like the longest place i've ever lived so you got a taste of um texas fashion a la middle school beginning of high school yeah so pretty much everything i've told you about so far has happened in texas so if you want to really picture me yeah with my short hair and neon pants and paramore Mm t-shirt picture me at a friday night high school football game oh Talking to all the other middle schoolers because, yes, everyone in town did go to the football games. Wow. Damn. Okay. um, So, you know, call me a little bit uh, idealistic, but Mm -hmm. I just wonder if there were, you know, kids in Texas who were wearing boots and uh, jeans, really. Double denim, any form of denim. Everyone was wearing denim. Um. There was a lot of people. Here's the thing. Boots and denim and like hats and everything are sort of older culture Mm -hmm. for Texans, Mm -hmm. which isn't to say like cowboy era. Like the, you know, I don't know when cowboys were 17, 16, sure. They've existed in iterations Um, for eco Right. They've been around. But I'm talking about like 40-year-old people, Mm -hmm. 30-year-old people Mm -hmm. would wear and still wear boots and jeans as like fancy clothes. Like if you're going to a nice restaurant, you can wear nice boots, nice cowboy boots, jeans, a button-up shirt and a blazer. Mm -hmm. That's that's Texas at a steakhouse, baby. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I'm into it. I like that. Yeah, no, it's definitely cool. My ideal nice outfit is like a nice, nice black boots, nice black jeans, black t-shirt, and yes, I have a black denim fringe jacket. Oh, God. Need, 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 need. We need to look. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think that one item of clothing, one of my two fringe jackets I own as a 20-something New Yorker. Yes. Uh... uh, (laughs) I think that denim jacket is why you you have me on the pod. You you think it's because I'm from Texas. I think it's because I own this one nice piece of clothing from Macy's. Mm. I want to say. Okay, <laughs> I'm I'm willing to as a podcast host 
come a little bit towards my guest's side and say, <laughs> yes, that is a reason that we have you on the podcast. Right. Uh, were, you know, have you taken that that fringe denim jacket to the rodeo? Or by any so chance, <laughs> maybe a, a lasso or I two? I have taken that fringe denim jacket and a cowboy hat and my boots onto the one train and I've taken it all the way down to Penn Station to see Brandy Carlisle at Madison Square Garden. Nice. Oh, damn. Okay, you're like real. Yeah, no, that's authentic. I'm real. I'm I'm real. There are two people that my roommates and I will always try to see in concert. It is Brandy Carlisle and Evan Rachel Wood. So your roommates are also into, into it, is what I'm hearing. Are they also from Texas? No, they're not from Texas. And they're also not as into it as me, but they are into Brandy, as into Brandy Carlisle as, as I I don't know how you're not. I mean, it's Brandy Carlisle, you know? I'm getting married and Woo! The, oh my, God. My, uh, our, my song is going to be a Brandy Carlisle song. Oh. That's really cute. All right. I'm going to start crying. So under Brandy, the Brandy, if you're listening, I'll send you an invite. Can so I just, worry. can I admit something, you guys? Please. You don't know who Brandy. I Carlyle don't. Is. I really don't. Yeah. And I and I and I, I knew I'm, you didn't. I, <laughs> Interesting. I, how did you know I didn't? <laughs> I could just tell because I think that you would have been excited. Okay. Um, Brandy Carlisle is a is a lesbian country folk. Well, that is very exciting to me. Yeah. yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> you know she uh, is. She's you know. Like, maybe the best at singing, period. She might be the best at singing. She's the best She's at singing. She's very good at singing. She has a crazy voice. It's so sad, her voice. Oh, wow. And, you know, sometimes she just has a concert where she just sings Joni Mitchell songs. Oh. And that's that's what I appreciate in a lesbian artist. That would fuck me up. <laughs> that okay, would do thank me you. in. I just yeah, I welcome. just wanted to be transparent with our listeners and transparent with I you. Hope, Relationships are built up yeah. of trust. <laughs> no, it's so important. I I would like to be honest with you and say I have never seen any part of you for Okay, fair. Okay, show. fair. Okay, true. Okay, true. Is this um, the generation gap? Is that what that is? It's I don't either even know. think so because I feel like Euphoria is just like I mean, maybe because like a lot of high schoolers are watching it right now and they shouldn't be because it's actually violent. But yeah, that's my careful. opinion. That's my opinion. Second. Um, I OK, I did exaggerate. I have seen the one scene that is currently going viral. This is a little peek behind the scenes because we're going to be a few weeks away from releasing. <laughs> currently going viral about a bathroom. Yes. And oh. Oklahoma. I've seen this. See, everyone, okay. one time. what I'll say about that is, and this is my opinion, that's my opinion. Um, that scene is literally mid to me. Okay. Ooh. It's mid. It's fine. I think. I thought that it was like funny. It is I, funny. I hadn't seen any part of the show. So um, my partner showed it to me as a being like, isn't this bad? Right. Like bad acting and bad. And I thought it was kind of campy and funny. It is really campy as a show. It gets really crazy and violent. They're mixing a whole bunch of formats. Like they're trying to like make it a drama, but then they have a few inserts where like some of the characters are doing talking heads as if they were on a sitcom. So it just does a lot and it's cute and campy. Second season so far to me mm. is a little mid. 
Um, okay, I think this is enough. I think that that was that was enough of a review for me. Yeah, right. yeah, and so, I will also for say euphoria. That was more than I ever needed. To I don't. <laughs> Maggie said enough. Back I to denim. I don't think I don't think they get the word campy. I don't think that's them. I don't. I do think that maybe they don't, but I think that accidental camp is a thing. Yeah. Haven't you read Notes on Camp? Everyone here has read Notes on Camp, right? That's Obviously. prerequisite to being on the pod. In the I same haven't. Way. I haven't. Um, nah, sorry. <laughs> Wait, Trina, I have a question. What's up? I, as I said earlier, I, I tend to say yes to a lot of things, and that includes lying. Okay. Um, <laughs> So, okay. you know, in my mind, every opportunity that someone says, do you know X, Y, Z, I say, yes, let's have yeah. a funny conversation I about it. Because it's funny always to lie to hairdressers. Oh, you have to. Okay. It's a it's scene. It's like pathological. If they ask me something, I say whatever in the moment I think is the easiest, <laughs> the shortest road to us being silent again. Wow. I love a chatty hairdresser. That's so that's I so can't funny. do it. And it's been this way forever. Okay. Since back when I brought Meg Ryan's photo in. I, I had a hairdresser for years who thought that I was in a band nice. and not <laughs> the band. That's, That's pretty good, dude. Tessa, what's your question? Um, Sorry, I'm interrupting. What's you said you have question? a question and then just sort of talked about how much you lie. Damn. <laughs> that was a lie, too. You Makes don't you have think. A no, well, my question is, well, I guess that my question was just like, you really do you just you answer honestly question you answer honestly what do you mean statement <laughs> when someone <laughs> like maggie was like does everyone know who brandy carlisle is you said no and that was honest and i yeah. admire that about you it's just another Thank trait you. about trina we admire thanks i maggie- think that's come with time because i as a younger person used to white lie all the time oh <laughs> and so i to, should like, grow up no, hey. The first lie I ever told that. my parents was that I brushed my teeth when I hadn't. Oh, man. And I, like, could have. I was in the bathroom with plenty of time. I, like, pretended to make the sound Ow. of brushing teeth. Kids are but so weird. But I just, weird. like, really wanted to feel, I really wanted to feel alive. Yeah. I <laughs> used crazy. to. I, I used to also, at, like, age, I think, like, six or seven, lie about showering, which was so gross. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Like I would, That's I was a little like, more extreme. It was no, it was. You nasty. would have to sit in the bathroom with a shower running. I think I was just like I would like go swimming because I was like into uh, swimming at the time and shower at the swim like in the gross swim bathrooms. Put on my denim pants, go home, and then like Wednesday would come around. My practice was on Saturday. Wednesday would come around, and my mom would be like, "So when was the last time you showered?" And I'd be like. <sighs> recently <laughs> and she's like you have to do it like almost every day do you know that and i was like oh, i didn't know life is pain yeah life now so now i assure you listener i actually obsessively shower so it's actually gone the <laughs> other way but when i was a kid it was like never happening so i love showering i um have been to rodeos let's yeah, talk about it i was gonna say have you been to rodeos <laughs> I have been to rodeos. I have been to rodeos in Texas and in Wyoming. Ooh. What is um, that like? That sounds awesome, first of all. It is. First of all, it is. It's pretty fun to go to rodeos because it's sort of like the spectacle of a circus, but I think they're actually less bad to animals at rodeos. Nice. Hmm. 
Okay. What is like the format um, of one? I've never known because I've I've never been to one. Rodeos are kind of. I mean, I can't speak to the format as well as our next guest, mm-hmm. but um, basically, people ride on horses and do tricks. That's so. So they cool. do like horse tricks, but they also do tricks like I'm gonna lasso and tie up this cow in 20 seconds. Wow. Or I'm going to stay on this bucking bull mm. for a minute. Oh, yeah. Or whatever. So it's like tricks. It's like show off show. Mm-hmm. And we, when we used to go in Texas regularly, um, I, they have activities to get all the kids in the stadium down and dirty. And what I what they were is they would tie little bows, a pink bow and a blue bow <laughs> to the back of sheep, to the tails, the little tails of sheep. Mm. I didn't realize and they all had the little tails, girls honestly. had to chase the pink sheep and all the little boys chased the blue sheep. And if you got the tail, like capture the flag, if you got the bow, you would win free boots or something. That's kind of a huge and prize. I feel like boots are kind of what? a big deal. Hang on. I'm also yeah. picturing like 24 children trying to grab onto the ass of it's a like lamb. It's like way more. That's it's insane. It's like way more. <laughs> it's like it, it's like 150 kids all running around a dirt and poop filled stadium uh, just trying to tackle a sheep. <laughs> I um almost got it a lot of times and every time, you know, some dumb bitch would push me to the ground and get the tail for themselves. In Wyoming, there's a little less of that. I feel like the Wyoming um rodeo we went to is a little less commercialized than Interesting. the ones I went to growing up. It was up. locale. Did that feel more raw? Authentic. Like authentic right. <laughs> yeah. Of the earth. Right. Yeah. Um, I feel like in a past life, I was, I lived off the land. Do you get this feeling where you have, have, have had a past life? Oh, I definitely, yeah, definitely think I've had past lives, but I do not think I was living off the land. I think I was, yeah. I've been born, then will die a small little city mouse. So <laughs> even though I grew up completely I, in a burb, but. I just don't well, think I would have I am a, I am also grown up in a burb, but am a city mouse mm-hmm. um, now. But there's sometimes when I'm like, you know, driving past a field or when I'm back in Texas or when I'm like riding a horse. Have you guys ever ridden a horse? I have once and I fell off of it. So I just don't know <laughs> if the lifestyle is for me. I oh, was no. six, um, though. Um, LOL. So when ah. I do those things, I like have a there's like a feeling okay where you're like i've done it before that's beautiful maggie i don't think i've ever that's like so wistful and kind of gorgeous Hmm. yeah that's my wistful thing for this pod this week is that i feel like i if i was forced to uh in a post-apocalyptic scenario right i feel like i could walk to alaska and build a house there walk to alaska from (laughs) from new york is where you are right now yeah, I mean, I would actually stop in Canada, but I would walk to Canada and build a house there. I mean, it would take a year for me to walk because I'm slow and not wafy, as we said before. And right. Canadian winters but, are no joke. Um, Yeah, but I love to be outside when it's cold. Okay. 
I sleep with the window open right now. Wow. And it's like 10 degrees in New York. You're I like a you're like a winter to sleep wolf. In the cold. <laughs> I'm like a winter city mouse. <laughs> wolf. You're a winter way. city mouse. Um I I similarly actually really enjoy walking in the cold and I enjoy seasons and I don't I don't like I think that I would find California a little bit hard because of how temperate it is all the time. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that if like if I didn't have a season to complain about routinely. <laughs> right. Um, what would you even do with all that brain power? Right. I'm so also topical. like part of what makes the Northeast fun is that you can be kind of embittered all the time and no one will bat an eye. But if you're in yeah, California where the weather is good and the people are nice or whatever, it's like, damn, well, I'm pissed about something and I can't even show it here because you're all like. Happy. There's plenty to be angry about. Right. Over Christmas this year, I went to Texas. Beautiful. Um, <clears throat> and yes, I sat on a longhorn. Cute. Yes, I went to the stockyards. Yes. And and yes, when I was checking out, and I went to the Cowgirl Hall of Fame. Oh my gosh, it was so fun. Beautiful. When I was checking out at the stockyards at a store there, um, a girl said... I said, wow, it's busy today. And the, the the girl checking me out said, well, there's always something going on. Are y'all from out of town? And I said, yes, we're from New York City. And she said, <laughs> wow, I've been there once. It's real different there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is. Oh, yeah. And we said, yeah. And she said, y'all don't have much space up there. Mm-mm. No, none at all. And no, we don't. No. Um, there's an episode of How I Met Your Mother where Marshall says he's too big for New York. And I feel that way sometimes. Mm. Right. Which, I, in my opinion, uh, is why Chicago's the best city in America. Okay. okay. I will not. I, I will not. I, we're going to cut that out of the podcast. Because well, that's, <laughs> that's, that's absolutely insane. No, 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 no. Chicago no. Is, the, is the what? Hoboken of the Midwest. Whoa! What? That's the first craziest all, thing. Okay, I'm first sorry. First of all, put some respect on Hoboken's name. First no, of no, all, no, no. You don't second have to. All, <laughs> second of all, don't come for my girl Hoboken like that. Hoboken, New Jersey, where the cake cake boss lives, bro. That is my man. No, don't yeah, and talk I bet there's a, someone who's good at cake in Chicago too. Bro, first of all, anytime people try to bring Jersey into these conversations, I'm like, damn, everybody has some bone to pick with New Jersey, but it's the tri-state. It has all of these different gardens. Also, it has highways. Also, it has beaches and mountains. What okay. other state are you going to find that has all those things? New York. No, 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 New no, 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 Okay, no. sure. Okay. New York has In all those In spite things. of whatever sure, Hoboken may be, it is nothing like Chicago. And uh, Chicago sucks. No, 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 no. That's, This is crazy. I, I can't have this argument with you on the podcast because it will end in tears. Um, <laughs> yeah, yours. No, I don't cry. Had my tear ducts removed. <laughs> But Maggie, um, you, I went to school in Indiana, so I spent a lot of time in Chicago. I have performed comedy in Chicago many times. Chicago sucks. Okay. Wait, why do you think that, Maggie? Yeah, yeah. Explain yourself. <laughs> um, here's here's just a few reasons. The buildings are short. The streets are too wide. Oh That's my great. god! Why? People are slow. Uh, y- you know. <laughs> The, it's not New York. It 
everyone knows each other like a small town but in a nasty way sorry all of those things and sound like great qualities to yeah me. it's called community LOL. it's called no no Everyone no. in New York is New like, York is the greatest city in the not world. True, first no, not true. First of all, at all. Hands not true. down, there's no question. Not at no, all. This not is at all. all. I'm going to cut this out of the podcast because I refuse to have this argument. <laughs> wow. Everyone in New York is like, I'm going to roller skate the rats down to my big <laughs> NBC job where I'm going to work 80 hours a week. And get $7 an hour. Right, and I'm like, no, no. like Illinois' minimum wage is like what eight dollars? No, That's I don't another know. Reason I don't sucks. know, but Chicago I'm doing is well. more corrupt, <laughs> and that is saying something. Uh, it is more racist, and that is saying something. No. Chicago sucks. <laughs> that yeah. is like famously a racist town. Chicago blue lining, famous. Well, New York isn't so much better. No, I, I don't think. No, I said that's saying something. New York is not so much better. It's bad. It's pretty bad about those two things. But Chicago, all right. Worse. So we can't agree on a best city, but we can agree that uh, Boston is worse than all of them, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, we can agree that okay. Philadelphia is worse than all of them. First of all, you now, whoa! You better come correctly, Listen. Maggie. You better put that shit back in your mouth. No, 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 no! Do not come for Philadelphia like that. You came for Hoboken. Now you're coming for Philly. You think the Northeast is just a place for you, a ground for you to walk on, like your royalty? Philly. First of all. Philly is a lo- hate it or love it city, okay? You either get, come here and you love it or you come here and you hate it. So if you're a hater, you're a hater. If you're a lover, you're a lover, first of all. <laughs> Put some respect. Isn't it the town of brotherly love? Is that Philly? It yeah. is, but no, but everybody's like just so aggressive and serious about loving Philly that if you don't love it, they'll be like, well, then get out then. That's yeah. The yeah, and that is, I would rather just hit the road. Wow. Hit the I road, had babe. to go to Philly <laughs> for wow. a board game convention. That's a little teaser for the fact that I'm a big freak. <laughs> so I went to Philly for a board game convention and we didn't even want to stay the night. We drove down and right back to well, first New of all, York, first of all, the greatest city in the world. Whatever, first of all, whatever, because one thing I know is Maggie just came in, obliterated the Don't pod, you start bringing out the Liberty Bell. <laughs> Get out with your Liberty Bell. We have the Statue of Liberty. City in this podcast. Invoked Hoboken for God knows <laughs> why. I mean, Hoboken has done nothing to any of us. You guys, still... you guys, I hate when we fight. <laughs> we we right. have to pull Thank our shit you. together. We do. Because we're about to have like a real ass okay, cowboy yeah, in our midst. <laughs> So I found uh, the International Gay Rodeo Association through my brother, who is a journalist in Dallas. So I reached out to my brother. My brother gave me a list of fun organizations that wouldn't give us sort of the typical straight white cowboy. Mm -hmm. And I'm really excited to talk to our guest. I'm not going to talk, but I'm going to listen. Yeah. And you're all, we're going to be informed, yeah. So, listener, you might be wondering, how did the three of us get involved in this little Seriously. show? There's a fourth, too, but she's been silent this whole time. Her name is Christina. She agrees with me that New York is the greatest city in the okay. world. Okay, I, I mean, and, and whatever. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we all work together at Gold, and the podcast is a part of Gold. And so, Maggie, what does Gold mean to you? Oh, man. You guys, I don't know. I've never been asked this because you guys have been in gold so much longer than me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I live in New York. I've lived here since I 
graduated from college and um because it's just the greatest city in the world and i knew i wanted to move here right um, and, wow. and gold gold uh is has been sort of a little life vessel for me and my creativity i um have always been a comedian and a writer but it's it's tough out here finding a home yeah for that and gold has has very quickly taken me in and and given me that space to you know goof around maggie really like you may, you've made gold into such a big space too like i don't know the editorial expertise and such that you've brought to the table has been uncomfortable just really great and yeah you've grown you've grown so much of yeah. like what gold is now and it's it's so cool to see like we have such a real editorial space that i think is so because of you that's awesome yeah. that's really nice i learn something new every time i talk to maggie and sometimes it's just like hey turn on your monitor and then you'll be able to see (laughs) and today it was that new york is greater than sign chicago right yeah Mm. Uh uh-huh so before we get too heated arguing about the greatest city in the world which is chicago new york uh let's throw it to a quick break and we'll be back definitely not hoboken oh my god we'll be back whatever leave new jersey out of this kids 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 out of this (laughs) And we'll be back with our very exciting cowboy guest. Hi, it's me, Lynn, founder of Gold Comedy. You and I met before when we were talking about soup. Well, I founded Gold because I believe that comedy is power. Because when you make people laugh, you make people listen. And I want to make sure that everybody listens to women and non-binary folks. The Gold Comedy Club is an all-inclusive comedy world with women and non-binary folks right at the center. Your annual subscription includes classes, celebrity Q&As, performances, practice, and collaboration, all in a safe, ad-free community of people who get you and your jokes. So join us to amplify your voice, literally with a mic, at club.goldcomedy.com. Welcome back We are so excited to bring on our next guest. As you all know, we like to have fun on this podcast. We like to laugh. We like to argue viciously, I guess. But we also (laughs) like to learn a thing or two about a thing or two. And I think we are going to do just that with our next guest. His name is Chuck Browning, and he is a real-life cowboy part of the International Gay Rodeo Association, and he's here with us today. Welcome on, Chuck. Thanks. Happy to be here. Where Where are you calling from? Uh, calling from Phoenix, Arizona. What's it like out there weather-wise? I genuinely have no idea. Uh, we're a little cooler than normal, but we're probably going to hit 68 to 70 today. Oh, that sounds so nice. Sounds nice. Oh, my nice. God. Oh, so. <laughs> Just diving right in, where did you get your start? How did you get involved with rodeo and cowboyery in general? <laughs> Uh, I was born in Casper, Wyoming. So as a kid, uh, exposed to the rodeos uh, that they had in Casper. And then also uh, friends of my family that actually had a cattle ranch. So a couple of times we would go out there in the springtime for the roundup of the cattle, the castrations, all the stuff that they did with the uh, with the uh, roundups of the, of the cattle. So that's where I got exposed to it initially. 
um, did some, uh, my family moved to upstate New York for a while and then back to Wyoming. And I went to college in Billings, Montana and ended up moving down to Phoenix in uh, 1987 and uh, went to a local bar. It was called Charlie's, a gay bar. And they were looking for volunteers for their annual gay rodeo that they had, which I never had heard of. So I volunteered, went down there, watched all the craziness. And a couple of years later thought, you know, this looks like something I might want to try doing. That's, That's awesome. so cool. What kind of craziness? Like, what would you see? Uh, just the fact that there were people that were getting on bulls and broncs and, you know, wrestling steers and the potential for injury. But, you know, just the just the whole uh, environment, you know, it, even though it's a gay rodeo, it's not just gay people. Um, mm. The reason it's a gay rodeo is because we started them as fundraisers years ago um, for charitable organizations. And uh, in doing that, you know, a lot of gay people didn't feel comfortable going to traditional rodeos uh, just because their lifestyle wasn't accepted and there was, you know, inherent risks. So mm -hmm. they kind of developed this whole gay rodeo, but they welcome everybody. We have men and women competing in all 13 events together, the same mm -hmm. events. Um, so wow. we're trying to bridge that whole gender gap as well. So yeah, it was just a, an environment for me. It was like, wow, there's a lot of people here like me and I'm accepted. And it was awesome. That's beautiful. That sounds really beautiful. Do you have a specific um, event that you partake in? Uh, I actually, in the past, have competed in all 13 of the events. Whoa. Oh, wow. oh my That's gosh. Awesome. I didn't start initially there, but I eventually added all 13 events and competed in those for 10 of the 27 years I've been competing. Wow. That's is, amazing. Is there, so what type of event are we talking? What was maybe your favorite one or the one you were best at? I think my favorite one's always going to be bull riding. Whoa. Yeah. I just, you, the adrenaline rush, uh, you know, that you get from that event and, and the skill and, you know, kind of learning what you need to do and how quick it goes. That's incredible. Yeah. How, how do you learn what you need to do? I feel like bull riding is not so intuitive. Yeah. No, they're there at my, at the time that I was doing it, it was more for me just watching the people that were doing it and learning, um, mm. and then just getting in there and trying it and then learning from your errors. But mm. now there are rodeo schools that are specific skill schools. Uh, there's bull riding schools, uh, saddle bronc schools, you know, bareback bronc schools, a lot of your traditional cowboys and rodeo actually go through their high school rodeo programs. So they actually oh learn God. it through their high schools and compete at the high school level. So there are a lot of ways to learn. Um, it's just really trying to figure out which method works for you. And is that kind of so how this is like separate from your involvement with IGRA? This is like just your general history. But how did you then get involved with IGRA? Uh, I, I volunteered at a couple of uh, the gay rodeos. Got then it. I got involved with the local association and got on their board of directors kind of got into the whole rodeo production, but still competed as well. And then eventually became a trustee for that organization, which was on the International Gay Rodeo Association level, uh, which I've been on the board for probably close to 20 of my 27 years. Did you as a child do that type of high school vocational training for rodeo activities or, or events? No, I did not. Um, I was in upstate New York. Um, probably from seventh to 10th grade. Mm -hmm. Um, when we moved there, it was kind of a 
culture shock for us because a lot of the people in in the East really thought we were from Wyoming and they thought the Cowboys and Indians were still fighting each other. But um, <laughs> there was nothing in upstate New York for uh, any type of a rodeo program. So moving back to Casper for my junior year where I actually graduated as a junior um, and then got into college and never really thought about it until I got down to Arizona and was exposed to the gay rodeos. That's so cool. Wow. That is actually so cool. That's how, what motivated after graduating, what motivated you to come down to Phoenix? Uh, after living in Wyoming and Montana and upstate New York, uh, warm weather was my only focus. <laughs> very, <laughs> very fair. Very, yeah. very fair. I've learned that shoveling heat when it's 115 is not as difficult as shoveling snow when it's 30 below. <laughs> really? Wow. <laughs> we were just talking about cities being better than the other cities. And, you know, none of us really mentioned southern cities. So I get, well, yeah, no, we didn't. Or warmer places. We're all coming, coming from like cold, cold, embittered places. Um, so it must be a very different attitude, I guess, down there than it is here <laughs> in the cold northeast. So your what you do is, you know, not investment banking or... Uh, anything traditional in like work or life in general how like have you experienced any pushback from that or like were your parents excited about you being a cowboy or uh I, I I don't necessarily feel that I've had any friction with it um initially coming out to my family as gay was the bigger step right. um but you know when they learned that I was getting a horse and I was kind of competing in the events um it was you know, it, it, for them, I, I, I'm not sure they realized it until they all uh, went to Billings, Montana. I had a rodeo up there. I think it was a 96 and literally all my brothers, sisters, nieces, nephews, everybody was there. So it was kind of, kind of nice to have my family there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as, as far as, uh, you know, work, work has always supported me in my events. Um, you know, I do work in the IT finance field, so it's kind of like the Monday through Friday, nine to five type thing. Oh, okay. Um, okay. But, you know, my my whole rodeo thing is my, it's my passion. It fuels me. It's what I love to do. Um, I've recently uh, just finished training my first horse all on my own, and she's competing at the rodeos now and doing a really wow. good job. So it's it's kind of exciting to learn that you have that capability. What's her name? Her name is Little Joe. Oh. She was born on the same day as my sister that's a year older than me. And her nickname, my sister's name is Little Joe. So oh, I oh, named wow. her after my sister. Yeah. That's really beautiful. <laughs> what is it like to train a horse? Uh, it's amazing because the, the one thing that you have to always remember when you're working with an animal, not just horses, is that you have to create an environment for them to learn in that doesn't have fear involved. So you always have to have patience. You have to be able to let them know that if they do something wrong, that that's not what you want, but you don't, you punish them. You always want to create a culture where they're wanting to learn and they're wanting to figure you out. Uh, so it, it takes a lot of patience, a lot of repetition. And you just got to remember that if you work with a horse, the best thing you can do is clear your mind of everything else and just focus on the opportunities you have with the horse. How do you know when a horse is comfortable? Like what are, how do you read that? You can tell by their body stance, most importantly, their ears. Their ears oh. will tell you a lot. If they pin both their ears back, 
they're uncomfortable with something. Um, if one is forward, one is back, they're probably the one that's forward is at you. They're looking to you for a cue or something. They're kind of saying, hey, I'm here. What do you want me to do? Um, both ears forward, they're just paying attention. Um, you know, if they blow their chest out and stand up tall and they're looking straight ahead, there's something going on that they're trying to figure out. So you just kind of learn all those cues of what they're trying to tell you so you can kind of help them learn. Wow. That's really perceptive. How do, how has rodeos and stuff like this happened during COVID and during this, like these last few years, has anything changed in terms of frequency or maybe how often you've been able to train and stuff like that? Oh yeah. We, we had the Arizona gay rodeo in 2020 that's in February. And that's when the onset of COVID started and literally all the rodeos of that year, we usually have 10 to 12 literally had to cancel because of, you know, the, the concerns and the venues and, you know, not having mass groups and all that stuff. 2021, yeah. we were able to bring um, three rodeos back, which was Denver, Santa Fe, and Vegas. And then we're looking at our uh, Phoenix rodeo coming up the third week of February. Um, and then we're tentatively have a full schedule this year. But again, it just depends a lot on communities and counties and cities and facilities, you know, and what their control points are with COVID. But the majority of them are outdoors, which tends to loosen it up a little bit. Uh, but still from a spectator point, I think there's some people that are concerned about getting, you know, together in large groups. So we're hoping this year is going to be a move back to normalcy for us. And that's what we carry is that hope. This is a backwards question, but what did you train your horse to do? Uh, well, the main things you train a horse to do is let you saddle it up, uh, let you move it around, uh, you know, how to move forward, move back, move sideways, hmm. um, how to recognize what is uh, a threat, what is not, uh, laying a blue tarp on the ground and getting them to walk over a blue tarp or step over a log, uh, get into a trailer, get out of a trailer. Uh, all the basics for that, you know, letting you put a head stall on them, uh, you know, leading them around, you trying to get them used to vehicles being around music, loud noises. Mm -hmm. So there's that whole kind of imprint desensitizing training that goes on. And then from there, you start to work them on some of the skills. I've trained her on barrel racing, pole bending, flag racing, and team roping and breakaway roping. So uh, wow. just you just kind of have to move them into those uh, the culture of that event and kind of walk them through it. And it's repetitive. Uh, there's reward when they do good. Um, if they don't, you back off, you sit for a minute and you kind of reassess and, and repeat it until they do get it right. Well, it seems like you need to have a really like firm relationship, solid relationship with the animals that you work with, which I think is really beautiful. Yeah, definitely um, mutual respect. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are some misconceptions about rodeos and rodeo culture that like you feel like you've seen to be not true or that like especially in your time with IGRA that have come to be like kind of I guess subverted in a way like things that maybe people think that aren't really real because I feel like I'm I know very very little about rodeos and the depictions I've seen have been like really short and weird and mm. not given me the full picture so I'm wondering if there's anything that you you could say to that definitely that's it's miscommunication that triggers fears for people that uh feel that animals are being mistreated just from mm -hmm. a rodeo perspective 
Uh, I've seen posts where people will put a picture of a horse and say, oh, they blindfolded this horse. And what they don't know is that it's actually a fly mask that we put on our horses to keep the flies off of their eyes when the flies are prevalent. And Mm -hmm. we're actually taking a measure to protect the horse, but they put it out there because they don't understand it or they haven't asked. And they put a, you know, telling people that that horse has been blindfolded and it really hasn't. Um, But when you're dealing with Mustangs or horses that are out in the wild and you have to take care of them and try to get a vet to take care of them, you know, they have to get that horse to where he's not going to injure himself or the vet. So if they do put a blindfold over the horse, it's because it causes them to stop. And because they can't see anything, they can't fear anything. And that allows them to help fix a leg or fix a hoof or, you know, give them a shot if there's something wrong. So there's a lot of misconceptions out there, I guess, about, uh, you know, exactly what's going on. You know, the the rodeo stock is probably the best well-taken-care-of stock because those stock contractors invest a lot of money and training in those animals. Mm -hmm. And it's, again, it's kind of that whole thing. It's like, if people would just ask questions and give an opportunity to be educated, I think they'd understand that it's just a misperception that's being presented. Do you guys do you guys do any form of outreach or education for people outside of the community or like recruiting or anything? Uh, we actually have a royalty program, which is where we have a, a Mr. and a Ms. and a Miss who are really challenged with getting out into our community and promoting our events and our fundraisers. And, and actually have to go through a pretty strong vetted program where they have to be knowledgeable about our rules. So if they do get questions, they're able to handle those about, you know, animal rights or, or how we take care of, you know, our animals, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So we do have that part of the arm of our organization that really is about, uh, like you said, education to the community. That's great. Yeah, that's really cool. If I was a kid and like saw that as an opportunity, I'd be very excited, I think. It's kind of a childhood dream to be a cowboy <laughs> for me I personally. I think so too. Yeah. I feel like I, I, my, um, small like outlook on all of it growing up in the Northeast is, is not like maybe, maybe like I just haven't had enough exposure, but if I had like someone who was really cool and informed telling me about everything as like a young person, I think I'd be really excited. How many, um, how many like young people would you say come into the program or like how young can someone start? I guess. They have to be of legal age, uh, where the rodeo is being held. So usually that's 18 or, or, you know, 19 or again, depending on that state. But, um, yeah, they, we have, we have rodeo schools at a lot of our rodeos where we allow people to come in and we'll actually teach them some of the events. We have some events that are called camp events, which are more like just fun events, like putting a pair of BVD underwear on a goat with a team of two uh, that doesn't require, you know, extra money or anything. You can go out there in your jeans and t-shirt and and tennis shoes and run and have some fun. So we are seeing uh, a drop in our younger uh, uh, contestants coming in, and we're not quite sure what is causing that. But it's definitely something that we're concerned about because like any other organization, you're kind of dependent upon new blood coming in to kind of, you know, maybe get some of us older guys like me that's been competing forever to kindly, you know, finally move from a contestant into a judging role. So. Mm-hmm. Right. Thank you so much for talking about all of this. Is there anything that you want to um, shout out and 
I don't know if you have a social media presence for this group or if you guys have classes you want to shout out. Uh, we do have a website. We have uh, the IGRA.com, which does list our rodeo calendar where people can see rodeos and where they're at. Um, there's a lot of information on there about our 501c3. We're a charity. We do appreciate support from anybody that we can find out there that has the funding for that. And we do donate the majority of our funds back to charitable organizations. Those are determined by the rodeos for their community. So it is direct community aid. Uh, we also have the Gay Lesbian Rodeo Heritage Foundation, which is an arm of our organization, which is more about kind of dealing with our history and our archives. We're trying to develop a museum that we can put a lot of our information in and uh, just trying to keep, you know, the fact that we've been doing this since 1976 uh, alive and well and uh, we just welcome anybody and everybody that's amazing beautiful we will Thank definitely you. be linking the information in our descriptions and yes. to everyone who listens because this is such a cool organization and thank you so much for coming and chatting with us appreciate Wonderful. it so much thank you guys i appreciate appreciate your time and i wish you well stay healthy and uh let's get back to normalcy I, me thank too. you so much I hope so thank you thanks take care guys Thank you.